Hey everyone, I'm Maddie. And I'm Emma. And we're the Huga Girls. Huga, in short, is the pursuit of everyday happiness. Each Monday, we give you the tools to build your happiness toolkit through discussing topics related to social media, health and wellness, pursuing your passions, and so much more. Welcome to the Huga Girls Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Huga Girls Podcast. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. Monday has now become my favorite day of the week. No joke. I really like it. I have heard you say this before, and though a hot take, I can get behind the energy. I just feel like you have to look at it as if, like, this is a fresh start, and I guess, you know, it depends on where you are. Sometimes you're starting, like, a week of maybe, like, a job you don't like, and that can be hard, and, you know, that's why we bring Huga, because we really want to make everything that we're doing in life, like, the most comfortable and happy as you can, but... I think seeing Mondays as a fresh start to have, like, a good week. I don't know. Yeah, I think that Mondays are, like, your own personal, like, New Year's Day. Do you see where I'm coming from? I feel like it's just, like, a... Well, New Year's Day, I'm usually wearing, like, sparkly stuff and, like, really excited. And you you don't like to wear sparkly stuff on Mondays? I... On Wednesdays, we wear pink. And on Mondays, we wear... That was a Mean Girls quote. On Mondays, we wear sparkles. Oh. Okay. I like it. I can... How about Mondays we sparkle from the inside? I like it. And with that, welcome back to another episode of the (laughs) Hooker Girls podcast. Um, We are so excited to be chatting with you all today. Um, We had the lovely Elizabeth on. She's at Elizabeth on Instagram and TikTok. So we're super excited to jump into today's episode. But before we do, you know the drill. We... We like to do this thing called Ask the Girls. Ask the Girls. Ask the Girls. What do you have to ask us today? We got a really interesting question that I don't think we have touched on, maybe in like a very early season, but this is season five. We develop as people. We're veterans. We've been around around the block. Yes, but we got the question, uh, what is your personality type and also your astrology sign? So personality types you can take you know you could just be like oh i have like a bubbly personality we're talking more about the official personality like myers briggs yeah myers briggs per the internet which is only as official as you make it but they definitely are more indicative of kind of maybe where you fall in social settings or just kind of who you are as a person a little bit so maddie you want to let us know your personality type and your astrology sign yeah, and I'm a little nervous because I feel like my astrology sign has a negative. I, oh, I mine know, does reputation. for sure. Mine does for sure. I so know, so I'm it. nervous to share because I don't know like how. I don't know if we should have done like all of everything. Like if we should have done like our rising sign. Like we're we're literally just doing. I have no the idea what my sign. rising sign is, and what's the other sign? I like your moon, moon. Yeah, moon rising and, and your sun, right? Sun. So we're just doing our sun signs. But anyways, I'm an Aries. Um, I was born in April. Um, so I'm an Aries baby. And my personality type is ENFJ. So that is, I should know what this stands for. Something, something, feeling, judging. I'm going to Google it. Real Wait, quick. really? Oh, I um, never thought about the fact that it was an acronym. I have no idea what it stands oh, for. Oh, yeah, it's an acronym. So it stands for extroverted, intuitive, feeling, and judging. 
Oh, so you are these forthright, <laughs> warm types love helping others, and they tend to have strong ideas and values. They back their perspective with the creative energy to achieve their goals. This is the protagonist character. That is literally just from Google, from my search. Um, and Emma, yours is very similar to mine, but we switched one letter. So what is yours? Yeah, so mine is a ENFP and... Actually, on the little site, we took these tests on 16personalities.com, a little plug, but it says NFP slash A and then an NFP slash T. So I don't know, or like dash, so I don't know if I'm kind of like swinging on one edge or another, but this is kind of trademarked as, they call it the campaigner. So it says that you're a true free spirit, you're outgoing, open-hearted, open-minded with their lively upbeat approach to life they stand out in any crowd I was like wow they really want to what if you just got one it's like you actually suck as a person (laughs) well I yeah that's fair I'm I'm glad that you got a good one I don't know if there are bad ones per se but I'm glad that you there's no like cold bad personality it's just kind of who you are and I do think that I am outgoing relatively open-minded and comfortable in social situations what you were saying mine is the extroversion because it's in I-N-F-P, right? No, you're E-N-F-P, extroverted. Extroverted, intuition, feeling, and perceiving. So that's where we're different. So I, yeah, I'm judging your perceiving. So you're more of a listener and I'm more of a, I'm more open about my feelings, I guess. Oh, interesting. And my astrology sign, I. Yeah, I was going to say it's a good thing you have a good personality um, acronym because it makes up for your astrology sign. Yeah, okay. I was once told... I was I was throwing shade. Hey, you judger. You, yep, I am a you judger. You judger, it's confirmed. Um, that's so funny. I was told once before by... Um, I was in a sorority in college and my little in my sorority was really into astrology and excuse if I say anything that's just like incorrect because I really don't like follow astrology cool signs much i just like know what i would love to have someone on the show who can talk more about this but neither of us yeah well i like looking at the little pictures graphics that that are like if you're this it means this but i was like who really knows anyway um my little told me well i'll just say what i am first i am a gemini and she once told me that you're the only gemini i've ever met that i actually like and i was like damn that is a large generalization but gemini um they have if you look at the astrological sign it almost looks like a Roman numeral two. Is that correct? Um, it just, it's like, has two double columns. So. I think so. Yeah. So it looks like, I don't know. The whole issue with Gemini's is that people say they're two-faced. Um, but I would look at it as more as like oh. two-dimensional. But the Gemini sign itself is actually two columns. Um, and sometimes you see it displayed as like two different faces as well just depending on like what kind of graphic you're looking at or whatever but people will say that gemini's are two-faced i'd like to think you're just maybe two-dimensional like i definitely have a creative side and then i have an analytical side and maybe i'm extroverted but i'm also like rather introverted at times so i like to take it that way to make myself feel better I would agree. And just from Google, it says that Geminis are playful and intellectually curious. They're constantly juggling a variety of passions, hobbies, careers, and friend groups. They're the social butterflies of the Zodiac. These quick-witted twins can talk to anyone about anything. Find them buzzing between happy hours, dinner parties, and dance floors. And if I were to put you in, like, 
a category, that's where yeah, I would that's throw pretty you. right. You on are the very mark, like, right? <laughs> yep, you are very quick rid quick witted, and you can talk to anyone about anything. Um, you do have a lot of like playfulness to you. You sometimes I'll be like, Emma, we have to be serious. Like, stop. We have to like work. I love prank calling. <laughs> I love prank calling. She does. It's so funny. At the age, at the ripe age of twenty two, she's still I prank am calling not, folks. You heard it here first. I am not. Ashamed. Yeah, but we that is our answer to the Ask the Girls question. Um, slight plug, if you're not following us on Instagram, that's where you have the opportunity to ask us, and we answer your question each and every Monday, especially um, since we're right in the middle of Hugo for the holidays right now. Um, we're really ramping up. We're doing two Ask the Girls questions a week, so be sure to tune in over there. That's at make Hugo sure Girls Podcast. Make sure to ask the girls. Yes, make sure to ask the girls at at the Hugo Girls podcast <laughs> on Instagram. So follow us there. But anyways, today we are so excited to have yet another incredible guest on today's show. You may know her from TikTok. You may know her from Instagram. Or you may know her from her own podcast. But today we hosted at Eat Elizabeth. So that is E-A-T-L-I-Z-A-B-E-T-H on Instagram and TikTok. Um, her name's just Elizabeth, but it's kind of fun Eat play on words. And we... Eat Elizabeth, and we talked about all things personal wellness. We talked about sobriety. We talked about kind of just setting boundaries and coming to terms with who you are as a person and coming into yourself. Um, it really was an amazing time chatting with her. I got so much out of it and I'm so excited for you all to listen yes we're so thankful for all of our guests that get to come on the show or that we get to host on the show rather because it's just so incredible for us to learn and also be able to share with the platform that we've built with Huga Girls so thank you guys so much for tuning in today and without further ado let's get into it hello Elizabeth thank you so much for being on the show today we are so excited to have you awesome thanks so much y'all yeah, it's um I'm really personally excited just because I know that we previously had met and got coffee and talked a little bit, but um I relayed some of the information to Emma and we're super excited to kind of rack your brain on all things wellness, sobriety, and really anything that you're interested in talking about today. But for our listeners who aren't familiar with you or your brand, give us a little bit of insight into who at Eat Elizabeth is. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. So my name is Elizabeth. I'm 26. I live in Denver and I work a full-time corporate nine to five. I work in supply chain procurement, so not very sexy. I'm kind of in spreadsheets and in contracts Ooh. and negotiations all day. Yeah. And so um, <laughs> I guess this was like a year ago, I realized I just kind of was missing a creative outlet. And so I started posting on TikTok and um, things picked up a bit. So it was something that was completely unplanned. Um, I love, honestly, you know, there are things to love and hate about working in corporate America. But, you know, generally, like I love having the balance of, you know, having my work life and then having kind of a creative thing that I can do on the side. And yeah, so that's that's just like a little little background on the platform. We love a good TikTok success story. I feel like so many stories yes. <laughs> start out like that now, but it's honestly amazing. Which is crazy. Yeah, I'm yeah. a TikToker myself too. Like I get it and it really just opened up so many things just personally for yourself because you can make a video so quickly or it's more time than you think, but you know, you, you can make quick little videos of your day that you wouldn't have really had an outlet of otherwise. 
and just reach millions and millions of people. So it's amazing. You have 100K now, I believe, right, on TikTok? Yes, I know, which is crazy that I've bamboozled that many people into following me. Oh, not bamboozling. um, So your tagline (laughs) is Eat Elizabeth, which is obviously a little play on words with Elizabeth and Eat Elizabeth. Can you tell us a little bit about where that name came from, what was your inspiration for that, and what it means for your platform overall? (laughs) Yeah, so originally I just kind of had like a little Instagram page. I think like a lot of people do or, you know, you were like posting little recipes during COVID, like quarantine, um, kind of, you know, different things that you were throwing together. And then, I don't know, I just felt a little bit stagnant on Instagram. Like I think a lot of people probably feel that way. It's kind of lost some of its Oh, like, we had that conversation personal. today. Yeah. Me and Maddie did. <laughs> we literally did. Yeah. It's just not as personal, I think. And that's what I really quickly loved about TikTok is I felt like I could ex- kind of express things more fully. And um, yeah, and so it kind of just evolved there. So there's not really like any sort of profound thing behind the name. I thought it was just kind of like a fun little quippy play on words. And it's definitely evolved from being food. I used to just kind of only post like food recipe content. Um, Turns out, you know, there are a million and one people who are much better at that type of (laughs) content and like, you know, creating those crazy aesthetic videos and, you know, beautiful things like that. And so it's, it's been really nice to kind of naturally transition into more of what I like, which is Um, Just kind of openly talking about, you know, mental health stuff and, um, you know, sobriety and and just kind of like what it's like to be in your mid-20s and trying to figure all your shit out. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that personally drew me to your page is that you are just very open and very vulnerable and you talk about things that, you know, a lot of people don't necessarily want to talk about and I think that it can be inspiring for audiences to see like, okay, this girl is also, you know just like me like she's in her mid-20s like she's also working a nine-to-five she's a lot on her plate and on top of that you're making mindful choices for your physical health your mental health just overall your well your emotional well-being and so I would love to hear where that kind of started are you always were you always someone who you know was interested in health or mental health or physical health or did you play a high school sport and that kind of kick-started your journey like walk us through how you got to this point Yeah, so I grew up in a, like, pretty standard American household in terms of my parents were, like, we kind of just ate anything from the grocery store. You know, there's, like, no emphasis on organic or anything like that. Um, And so it definitely didn't come, you know, from, like, the way I was raised. I think in in some senses it was, like, railing a little bit against the way I was raised. Um, And I think a large part of it was when I was in high school, um, I developed a really bad eating disorder that I dealt with for about a decade. And so I had this very skewed idea of health, right? Like, I think so many of us were that are at this age now, we were brought up in the Tumblr era of like, Proanna and Thinspo and Fitspo and things like that. So like, my idea of health was counting calories. So I had this really kind of toxic and um, one note idea of what it looked like. And so when I, um, it was kind of around, like, it was after I graduated college. Like, this was a long period of time where I just didn't have a holistic idea of health. It wasn't about, you know, how I felt. It was kind of about, it it was all about how I looked, right? And so I think presenting as being a thin person was, like, the most important thing to me. 
And then about around my senior year of college, I don't know if y'all remember, she doesn't do it anymore, um, but there was a woman, Lee from America, who had like this huge wellness page on Instagram. And she had um, PCOS, which I also have. And so I just became like enthralled with all of her wellness content. And I loved that her approach was so much more holistic than a lot of what I had seen. Like it was about feeling good. It wasn't just about the way that you looked. And it was kind of like when you're actually fueling your body, like you don't have to be afraid of carbs. You don't have to be afraid of fat. Like there is a better and a different way to do health and wellness. And I think that that was just so appealing to me and really spoke to me, especially in recovery was like, for me, I know for, you know, it's really popular now to um, teach intuitive eating to people that are in recovery. And for me, that just didn't make a lot of sense at the time. And, you know, I've talked about this on TikTok before. I just think for the whole kind of ethos of intuitive eating is that you're supposed to trust your body, right? And so I think if you're coming out of an eating disorder where inherently you are an unreliable narrator and you can't, you know, you can't really trust yourself to know when you're full because you've spent your entire life tricking yourself into thinking that you're always full so that you don't eat. Um, Actually learning about health and learning about nutrition and learning like how different foods work and fuel our bodies and like what foods are inflammatory and which ones aren't, you know, I think that that just provided me like I'm, I'm just such a I like to have all the information right and so um, being able to look at that of course like not in any sort of way that like I would evangelize that <laughs> information now because I have no qualifications to do that but just from a personal standpoint was super important and I think that that was kind of like the crux of like my wellness awakening and, and just loving like focusing on how do I kind of get back to myself and like heal all of these kind of not only like ways that I was eating but also ways that I was thinking about myself and using food as either like kind of a punishment or reward instead of thinking about it more objectively as fuel for my body. Wow yeah that's incredible thank you for sharing some of your journey with us because I know everyone's journey looks completely different but I definitely think that Mm -hmm. social media has tried to almost make up for the mistakes that they made originally. I do think there are a lot of people like you that are like-minded that are like let's let's take take a step back and let's talk about what really is important about health. And some things that you mentioned were actually just things that are taught that are just blatantly wrong, that are incorrect about in not intuitive eating, but you know, like carbs, for example, being completely bad. Nothing mm-hmm. is completely bad or completely good. It's all about that balance and everything. And I think social media is, again, trying to kind of backtrack and be like, okay, that like, right. image that we pushed, you know, there's so much more to it than that. And it's amazing that you've been able to use your platform to speak out about, like, I was that girl that looked at Thinspo. And just the name of that just mm-hmm. sounds in- insane now. I can't imagine. Oh, yeah. It sounds crazy now, but, well, like, imagine we were so me going back then. on TikTok and creating an account now called Thinspo. I mean, people would literally... Or like message like me yeah would be like yeah but they're canceled but it's but it's so yeah. interesting now to like see how i know i think there's certain things and this is probably not everyone will agree with this but like some of the gut health stuff that i'm like is really kind of the modern day you know manifestation of some of that stuff mm, before yeah. it's like there's definitely i try to be super careful to walk the line between like wellness and orthorexia right just because i think that that's you have to be so careful anytime you're sharing something because you know even though intuitive eating was not something that worked for me like it's an amazing tool for so many people and so I'd never want to villainize that but I think like wellness is so individualized that you have to you know I think it's great to like 
open up a conversation, but I would never be like, this is, you know, a panacea or like a one size fits all for everyone. Absolutely. And I, I love what you just said too, when you were talking about how, especially with gut health, like there is so much information out there. And from a personal standpoint for me, like I'm personally struggling with a lot of hormone imbalances and trying to figure mm-hmm. that out probably where you were a couple years ago with PCOS. And I just get so agitated because I go on TikTok and people are preaching like, oh, you have, you just have to do these five things and then everything will change. And I'm like, okay, but who are you to say that that's going to work for me versus right. how it's going to work for someone else? And actually Emma and I were talking about this, about, um, a therapy a therapy platform that is pretty well known just across like influencers and podcasts. Um, and it's an incredible platform. And she saw TikTok and everyone was like, well, this didn't work for me and I don't actually like mm-hmm. this and whatever. And we were talking about how it's less about the actual platform itself. Like, yes, this one platform may not be a one size fits all, like where you meet a therapist online. Yeah, and the girl on the TikTok everything. was basically explaining how she had a a horrible negative experience and then mm. addressing the platform as a whole as being something negative or something that doesn't work. Yeah. And then Maddie, if you want to finish which, the thought. <laughs> yeah. Well, which I just think that in general, it should be, okay, it's great that we're even having these conversations, that podcast, that influencers, that people are speaking out about mental health because five, 10 years ago, that wasn't even a conversation. And so I feel like it has gotten so nitpicky and kind of bordering on that line of, like you were saying, like, it's a very fine gray area of like, who are you to say like, what works for Mm -hmm. you? Um, Like that therapy platform probably, it works for a lot of people. So I think you just compare that to health in the sense of like, this is something that maybe didn't work for you, but it would work from someone else. And then on the reverse side of that, it's like, maybe this worked for me and it's not going to work for you. And it's not like pushing a narrative and more pushing, I guess the education aspect is what you're getting to. The holistic education aspect of what individually is your best game plan for mm-hmm. your health. Yeah, and I think like TikTok, like all social media is such a double-edged sword, right? Because on the one hand, it's great because, in, you know, it's like a democratization of information because, you know, getting with a holistic health doctor, you know, I've been down that route. It is thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. It is so expensive. But at the same time, you know, you, you have to be really careful because you'll see all these like quote-unquote health coaches. I'm like, I don't know. It feels kind of like the whole like I'm – you know, officiating my friend's wedding and just printed a certificate off the internet sometimes. Like it's very, I think it's, it's just like people will often present themselves as being much more knowledgeable than they are. So on the one hand, like it can be great when they're, you know, these doctors that are sharing this amazing information, but I also really worry that, you know, you have to have like a certain amount of discretion and information, like going into consumption and like what does ethical consumption like look like and also like ethical content creation too that's like a whole nother conversation but I mean it's overwhelming right like it's so overwhelming to to try to sort through all all that information people are saying tiktok's the new database like Like a search engine engine. yeah it is and you go like how to improve my gut health and you go to tiktok which is good that there's a resource that you think you can use but then how reliable is it? It's so tough. It's so yes, tough. Yes, it's like not peer-reviewed research. Like you have to, yeah, it's very, yeah. You oh, so hard. Yeah, <laughs> no, I I completely agree with you there. And actually, I'm going to kind of flip it back onto you and knowing, you know, that you don't have all the answers and you are just telling your story and what worked for you. Um, I would love to hear kind of your morning night routine and like what your non-negotiables are throughout the day that you incorporate into your wellness journey because I know that it looks different for everyone. And so I Mm -hmm. always love to hear um, what our guests on the show do to help themselves. 
Yeah, definitely. So mornings um, mostly revolve around my dog. I have um, a four and a half year old little rescue border collie who's the center of my universe. Um, And so I'll always, you know, I like to wake up around like six usually. Um, Some days I'll go do a Legree class in the morning. Other days I'll take my dog on like an hour long walk around the park. Um, Always make my bed in the morning. That one's a non-negotiable. Do like a brief bit of skincare. I like to do like a 10 minute meditation in the morning. That's something that I've kind of integrated really consistently into my routine over the past month. And I think that's one of those things that like meditation doesn't work unless you do it consistently, but it's very hard to get into the habit of doing it consistently and so um that's something that's been just pretty transformative for my day going forward so um, I have to interrupt you and ask yeah. when you're doing your meditation because for me and this is terrible that I'm saying this but like <laughs> I cannot meditate in the morning because I feel like I'm just falling back asleep oh yeah so yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you do like an active meditation like do you have it on while you're walking do you sit do you lay down like do you stand like how walk us through that do you use a specific app I'm just super curious from a personal standpoint yeah, definitely. So I um, I do it, to your point, I can't do it right when I wake up. So I'll usually do it after I work out or take the dog out. So that I'm a little sense. more awake. Okay. And then, yeah, I'll like sit um, on my floor with like my back against the bed and do like my noise canceling headphones. And I use the Calm app. Um, mostly because I accidentally paid for a yearly subscription <laughs> when I thought I was paying for a, a good, month. A so. good mistake. There's worse mistakes, okay? <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's a good app. I think that um, I used Superhuman for a while, and then I, like, stopped the subscription because, you know, I accidentally paid $70 to do Calm for a year, Um, (laughs) which is also great. And if you – I don't know if you've used Superhuman before, but they have, like, meditations. They're kind of designed to be, like, moving meditations, so they're ones you can do when you walk or when you're, like, doing the dishes, cooking dinner, your morning routine. So that's a really cool app. It's definitely on the pricier side. Um, but I kind of love the way that you can more seamlessly integrate it into things that you already do. And so it just kind of forces you to, I guess, like shift your perspective or the way that you move through kind of those like everyday activities, which I love. Absolutely. And then sorry, I completely interjected. So after that, you get back and you've done your meditation. What's next? Yeah, um, big glass of water in the morning. I have recently kicked my habit of having coffee first thing every morning because I know that it wreaks havoc on your hormones. Mm. And so I've switched to bone broth, which I'm very proud of myself because that's a hard transition. Drinking hot bone soup in the morning is not always the most. I've heard about. So Um, does it taste bad? I don't actually think it tastes bad. No, it's just a lot of people. I think if you, yeah, there, there are definitely some brands that are like. I don't know if gamey is the right word, but they're yeah. like a little gamier than others. Um, but there's some really good stuff you can find. And um, so I'll just sip on that. And I start my work day pretty early. Sometimes I work East Coast hours. Um, kind of depends. So, East Coast. Yeah. My, I know. <laughs> so, which is great because in the winter, that means I can end my days while it's still light out. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's great. And I actually, I wanted to ask you because I saw – on social media I don't remember if it was Instagram or TikTok I feel like they all blend together now but um how you were saying you've incorporated getting into a walk with your dog every single morning like even when it's dark outside how do you go about doing that again just from a personal standpoint because I know we're in the same area and it gets dark so early at night and it stays dark so late in the morning so I'm curious to hear how you've incorporated that in 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think the main thing is just having a dog. Like, if it was just me, I think I would struggle a to do that. A little different, yeah. Yeah, having my sweet dog look at me every morning and, like, expect the walk really helps. Um, but I just read – I was reading a bunch about um, – I don't know if you follow Liz Moody at all. Mm-hmm. She's a really cool wellness creator. Um, she started talking a lot about doing these, like, circadian rhythm walks last year. It was kind of during the pandemic and just, like – If you get out and get some sunlight before, I think it was like 10 a.m., it's like 10 minutes of sunlight at least, it really helps your energy levels throughout the rest of the day. Um, And so, I don't know, could be totally anecdotal, but it it seems to work for me. I can definitely feel like if I get outside, get some fresh air, it just kind of wakes me up and moves me through the rest of the day, which is really nice. So I think it's just like finding tiny little things to make a routine out of like I know some people have these super extensive wellness routines in the morning and I think for me consistency is more important than volume so it's not the amount of things I do it's just having a few things that I do every single morning so that I really feel grounded and like in a good headspace to start my work day yeah definitely different things will work for different people and I'm more of a I one I love sunlight like I I'm that person too that like that yes. gets my rhythm going I me and Maddie talked on the phone today and I was like two hours into my walk and because I had the privilege to do that because I do remote work and stuff but I just had that just really makes my day um but also consistency is so important so some mornings it's not going to look the same um like depending on what you're doing or what your priorities are because life is very chaotic and we were talking about another another episode actually with another guest, guest named Sydney. She was talking about how balance, you know, isn't it's not going to be hundred percent all the time. Sometimes it's going to be forty percent. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's going to be one hundred sixty percent. Sometimes it's going to look different. So it's about just like doing what works for you in that day, and that is that holistic approach to just life, even. And then we kind of narrow it down to the concept of health and looking out for your body physically and everything, but. How do you incorporate, well, you were talking about consistency and um, everything that you do just to prioritize your health. How do you incorporate mm-hmm. that with a busy lifestyle and just something that is unstable? Because maybe relationships change in your life mm-hmm. or even just stages of life, you move areas and you have to find new new rhythms with that as well. So how do you stay consistent while life is an ever-changing ongoing kind of chaotic mess sometimes no that is um that's such a good question and I think that like it's really important when we look at how much exposure we have just I know we coming back to this but to social media right like all the biggest wellness influencers most of them this is their full-time job so literally their entire day like they can make a routine as lengthy as intricate as possible and I think for a long time and I still I still catch myself doing this a lot I find myself comparing right my routine and being mm-hmm. like is my routine not enough is it not good enough would I be healthier would I be thinner like this that or the other thing if I had like a longer more extensive routine and the answer is that's just not realistic for my life like I have tried to do that in the past and it's not something that I can keep up with because it just is completely incongruent with my lifestyle and so I'm sure there are people that look at my stuff and think the same thing I have people comment all the time saying like I have you know five kids I can't do this and I'm like yeah that I mean this is just you know this is what I do it's you know it's it's a suggestion based on like I work a nine to five so this is what fits in with my life but I totally get it but like 
everybody's kind of bandwidth for a routine is different. I think that if you are able to get kind of like any sort of movement for your body, you know, it could be a five minute stretch or, you know, it could be a 45 minute walk in the morning. It's kind of whatever fits in your schedule. Um, If you can make sure to hydrate, like just get a big glass of water in first thing in the morning. More than anything, I think that like A, I know we really dehydrate when we sleep, right? And I think the second thing is if you're able to kickstart that first thing in the morning, it's just going to get you in that mindset for the rest of the day and like I, you know, I have one of those, whatever. Look at mine. If you can see the video, my water bottle is directly. (laughs) Oh, there's Maddie's. Maddie's is bigger. Maddie just showed me up. Oh my gosh. I carry this thing around religiously, but it's so good. Exactly. And so doing that. um, And then I think, you know, just like making sure that you you are eating breakfast that like I, I think the biggest switch that I've made recently is incorporating more protein into my breakfast so I've been doing like a lot of protein oats lately something that's actually gonna like fuel and sustain my body for the day ahead um and then I think something for your mind too right so like for me it's doing a meditation in the morning but I think that you know sometimes it's it's also doing like the crossword or you know the wordle whatever it is like I think if you're just able to give yourself a little bit of time in the morning if you have you know 15 minutes or if you have two hours you know it's going to look really different but if you can establish like your list of non-negotiables like what you need to get in the right mindset for the day I kind of think that that's like the most and the least you can do yeah absolutely and kind of um switching gears a little bit too because I like what you were talking about from a mental standpoint as well um that that's it's important to incorporate in like you know the wordle or a meditation or something like that mm-hmm. um just when I was talking to you over coffee a couple of weeks ago we were talking about kind of your mental shift um after you decided to make the um decision to become sober and I wanted to rack your brain a little bit um with that because you actively discuss on your socials your sobriety and your sobriety journey um so I just love to have you walk us through what that shift looked like to you, what kind of triggered it, and how you maintain the discipline of not drinking day in and day out? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So my kind of entry point into sobriety was not initially with the thought that I would be sober forever. But I had recently gotten, I talked a lot about how I'm on Lexapro. <laughs> I'd recently gotten on an, um, an increased dose of Lexapro and you aren't really supposed to drink on SSRIs. I had in the past and it hadn't been an issue, but on my new dose, like I was getting panic attacks all the time. It was just turning into a mess. And after about a month, I realized that the common denominator was alcohol. That's what was kind of triggering all of these, you know, like just kind of crazy little episodes that I was having. And so I, you know, what I kind of call like my, you know, rock bottom or my realization, whatever you want to call it, was that, you know, my my boyfriend and I, like we almost broke up. I, you know, was picking the same fight weekend after weekend and I just kind of kept pushing things to the edge. And I realized that like I was choosing alcohol. I was choosing drinking over like my own health and the health of my relationships And so the minute that I kind of connected those dots, it wasn't, you know, a question. It was like, all right, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to quit drinking. Um, And then it was initially only going to be, you know, like a temporary thing. And then I think it was two weeks later, I, you know, had the clarity finally for the first time in a long time to think through, like, I hadn't really gone a day without drinking in like eight years since like I had started college. And, you know, I think initially, right, like I went from high school to college thrown into like binge drinking out the wazoo. I went to a really, you know, have like heavy drinking party school in the South. 
Um, and then, you know, after college, it was kind of like what you do is you go out and that's how you make friends. And, and it was just I kind of like fall into this habit without even totally realizing it. Um, and I think I was just like also using it as a coping mechanism without really realizing it. And so after those, you know, I'd had those two weeks sober, I was like, you know, I, I can see now like this is an addiction. This is something that I've been relying on. And I, alcohol is just something that doesn't have a place in my life anymore. And, you know, I I had noticed in those two weeks, it was like the first time in like a decade that I didn't wake up like actively hating myself every single day. And I don't even think I realized how closely and intimately connected you know drinking and just like my mental health and like total deterioration and like lack of self-confidence were like it was just a substitute for all of these things and like this huge like spiritual emotional deficit that I had in my life absolutely and I first off really appreciate your vulnerability and appreciate you sharing that um just because I know it's not easy to discuss and also Um, just the fact that you're sharing it with so many people online really does make a difference. I feel like that there has kind of been this, I don't want to use the term movement, but for lack of better words, movement towards, you know, people drinking less and realizing that Mm -hmm. there are mental benefits to it as well as, I mean, everyone's always known, you know, alcohol is not quote unquote healthy for you, but, you know, kind of over the last couple of months, years, I feel like there's really been this shift. That being said, I know it's not easy still being in your mid-20s and not drinking and actively making that choice and going to weddings, going to, you know, bachelorette parties, going and grabbing dinner and drinks with your friends. How do you manage all of that? Because I know that sometimes, you know, once you put it out there like, oh, I'm not going to drink, people are like, oh, why aren't you drinking? And then it kind of like unravels this whole new narrative that you have to share with people and it kind of forces you into a vulnerability that maybe you're not comfortable with with certain people so how do you navigate that yeah so I think like first and foremost you know I think it's really a lot of the I think vast majority of content I'd seen on sobriety right was like all people doing it for health and wellness which is amazing like any way any way that's your entry point any way that feels good for you that's great I think what was interesting for me is that I I think I didn't even have the word addiction in my mind for a long time because I wasn't really exposed to people I guess that like I thought were like me or looked like me that were addicts right so like that wasn't even something that I had really like wrapped my mind around that that was you know a possibility I just like thought that this was normal and that like binge drinking all the time was like that's just what people did and I think to some degree it is what people do but I think it was like first and foremost you know putting my content out there was like I want to put out there what I feel like I didn't have and it's the response has honestly been crazy um you know I just have you know tons of dms people like this is you know I think I had like 10 that I opened today where people are like I'm x amount of days weeks sober which is just so cool to see because it just shows like I think you know sometimes content can feel like really I don't know like out of touch is not the right word but yeah exactly like it's just stuff we consume and I think it's cool to see like okay maybe someone watched like one of my videos and this like caused a shift or reframe which is just amazing like I love I love connecting with people like that and that's like what you know makes me want to do this because it's I don't know like this is something that's been so valuable in my life that like being able to share that is really cool 
And I think like with, you know, in, in like my personal life, my non-parasocial life, my, I think I've been surprised by how few people actually care. I have built it up so much in my mind to think like, you know, we always think that like, cause we are the center of our own universe, that everyone is going to be really pressed about us doing or not doing something. And so, you know, most people just like, it's, it kind of isn't a thing to them. Like there are definitely, there are definitely, th- you know, instances in which I've noticed like mm, there's certain things maybe I'm like not invited to that I used to be if people are going out. And I think that kind of what you learn is that people's reaction to you not drinking says everything about them and it actually says nothing about you um and it's usually just like a commentary on their own relationship or feelings with alcohol or like their connotations of like what it means to be sober or around someone who is sober while they're drinking and so yeah I don't know it's been interesting like it's definitely I feel like strengthened the relationships I have that have always been important to me, but kind of the ones that were always like more on the periphery, I think they've kind of faded away a bit. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just like, I think there is some element of grief that is involved in it just because it is, a you know, it just is a shift and a change. Yeah. Any choice that you make that is a drastic difference from the choices you were making are probably going to come along with yeah. those life changes but sometimes is unfortunately you know people ebbing and flowing out of your life also did you go to usc no i went to um swanee oh okay i didn't know i i went to usc and that was obviously this you said like big southern drinking school and i was like oh that my college fits into that category (laughs) i went to the university of south carolina and absolutely loved it but i've had the conversation Mm -hmm. with so many people about this fits into like any bracket even outside of college but especially about the binge drinking culture inside of college it's insane i didn't even realize Mm -hmm. like now looking back how much i was drinking because it's just like what Mm -hmm. you do um and my current everyone's my current partner i'm gonna have to tell him to listen to this because he will resonate so much with what you're saying because he's been on his sobriety journey as well um with really realizing like how much it's correlated with his mental health and how everything is Mm -hmm. intertwined and he has been able to work on himself so much like he always knew problems existed but it was like he wasn't putting alcohol as the factor that was contributing to all these other issues other issues um and so it's just incredible to hear you talk about it because you don't realize how many people are maybe dealing with that same thing and there are real people on the other side of the screen um and it's amazing that you can get messages of like this really resonated with me because of course it's self-motivating to you but also it's like there's just so there's just so many people and alcohol is such a social thing it's so tough because i even struggle I'm like, okay, if I want to go do something tonight, it's Friday night. Like, what am I going to do that's, Mm -hmm. like, not going to be around alcohol? And I'm not sober, but – or, like, sober curious is the word thrown around a lot. But it's, like, I'm curious enough Mm -hmm. in that sense to where – and I feel like a lot of people fall into this category maybe of, like – I'm curious enough in the sense to just, like, be conscious of what decisions I'm making, how they're affecting me. So I know that, like, it's not – good and just getting older too my body doesn't want me to do this my body's like no stop (laughs) but also just coming out of college and kind of shifting into new priorities and responsibilities I'm like I don't want to go get like blacked out you know and if you can handle that every once in a while like that's fine but oh my gosh it's alcohol is just really really tough because it's so integrated in our society Mm -hmm. and 
Yeah. Yeah. Are there any yeah, there's some things that, that you love to do that like you've found newfound love for that are just like outside of alcohol? Yeah. So I think like <laughs> it is funny. I realized that I had like no hobbies, right? I think that's <laughs> one of the funny things about sobriety in general. Like A, I'll say the biggest thing and I think why sobriety has been such a game changer for me is that it has caused me to create boundaries in my life. And I've always been someone who's really bad with boundaries. And suddenly I have something that's more important than pleasing other people, than, you know, like trying to keep up some sort of image. Like my sobriety is the most important thing. So if things don't fit into my life because of that, then they're just, they don't have a place. And so that's just made me so much more confident. And it's also forced me to build a life that feels really authentic. And like, I'm, you know, I'm in my, you know, first 60 days, right? So it's not like... I have, you know, years of experience to back this up, but like the fact that these sorts of transformations can happen in two months is insane to me. Um, I think that like, um, sorry, I totally, to go back to your question. No, I was just asking about like new things you love to do and I don't even. Oh, new yeah. activities. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The lack so of I hobbies. Think, <laughs> yes. Yes. My, my total lack of hobbies. Um, lots of rollerblading lately. Oh my God. Um, love that. That's so fun. Yes. So fun. But I think more than anything, like, it's made my friendships a lot more intentional because, you know, I, I'm – right now I'm at a point where, like, I'm not triggered to be around alcohol. So, like, I'm fine to go out with my friends when they're drinking. You know, I'll just, like, sip on some club soda or Diet Coke or something. But, um, you know, generally, like, it's it's been kind of interesting because – I feel like a lot of my friends have been relieved almost to like be like, oh, we don't just have to go out anymore. Like we can go to a yoga class or, you know, Pilates or we can just go grab lunch or a coffee. And so I think it's, yeah, again, like it's made my friendships more intentional and it's made them deeper because I think like one of the greatest tragedies, I guess, of like being in your early 20s sometimes is that it feels really hard to connect with people because you'll go out, you'll meet like all these super cool girls on a night out. You'll all get each other's numbers and be like, oh, we're going to be best friends. We're going to hang out all the time. And then you get back home the, the next day and you never talk to each other. So yeah. Yeah. And so you have all these like very superficial friendships, like not because people are necessarily superficial, but because no one's like making the first move or, you know, it's like the awkward, like almost like more awkward Life than gets dating. busy and it's like, what do you say to this no. like random girl that you had like a fun night at a bar with? It's just yeah. like, how's your morning? She'd be like, you're weird. Stop. No, I, I will say, and this is a true story, like little antidote real quick. Sorry to interrupt, but um, I will say my sophomore year of college um, went out with a big group of friends and there was a girl who at the time I was pretty heavily drinking and so was she and we had our sorority formal like a couple weeks later and I was like mm-hmm. hey do you want to be my date to this formal and like in a stall bathroom somewhere or whatever and she was like yeah sure like whatever like you're out and the next morning I like woke up and I was like you know what I'm just gonna call her like I'm just gonna do it and it's gonna be fine so I like FaceTimed her I'd gotten her number the night before and I was like hey like do you want to go grab a coffee and to this day this is one of my best friends like we have traveled all over the world together like she lives in the same wait who is this like she is like Annika oh this is the you and Annika so or yeah how you guys originated this is this is how we became friends and like I but there is a point to saying like 
my whole point of sharing that is like it is awkward when you go out and you do that and like mm-hmm. you're like I'm not gonna have the courage but like you have the courage when you have alcohol in your system so why not have the courage when you don't you know like yeah. why not just like reach out to someone and that's what I really respect about everything that you're doing is like saying hey let's go grab a coffee or let's go to a Pilates class or let's go grab lunch and even like after I first met you like how you texted me and you were like hey let's go to Pilates after Thanksgiving you know like I was like that's awesome because you don't have to necessarily do that with people it's really easy to stay within your bubble and I think that the story that you are creating for other people online of setting boundaries and stepping outside of what you're comfortable Mm -hmm. with is okay when you're sober you don't have to have three shots of tequila to ask someone to go grab lunch with you like you can do it and you can form genuine authentic relationships because of it yeah and I think like sobriety itself it's really common for people to isolate just because it can feel really scary and kind of like no one else in the world really like understands where you are and so you know I've made it a point to try to be even more intentional about like putting myself out there and reaching out because I think at the end of the day like what you realize is we're all it sounds so cheesy like we are all like desperately searching for genuine connection and so just being able to be vulnerable enough to say like I want a friendship usually that's all it takes. And just, you know, also just, you know, what people say, like showing up is like half the battle too. It's just not, you know, it's not canceling plans. It's, you know, being someone that's reliable and consistent. And so I don't know, I think just like moving into kind of this like new phase of my life, it just is an opportunity for me also to really create like a circle and a group of people that I feel like is very uplifting and will hold me accountable and is going to be supportive. So like in those moments that feel hard and where I feel isolated, like I know I have people to to tap into. Yeah, showing up. And I, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, I really appreciate everything that you have shared um, just throughout this episode, but also on socials, also in your personal life. Um, I really do feel like, you know, sometimes you meet people in person and you see their social media and they are like two completely different um, (laughs) people. And I know that we talked off mic about this a little bit, but like there definitely is kind of like a persona or character that is played Mm -hmm. um, online. So when you're posting and when you're actually actually spreading the messages that um, you know, you think others need to hear. Is it because you yourself need to hear it? Or what is your inspiration behind the messages that you're sharing? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I think, yeah, kind of what I mentioned before and just I I want to put the content out there that like I wish that I had had, you know, a year ago, right? And so I think like I <laughs> I got so kind of like caught up in all the aesthetics and the looks of like, what other people are doing, how put together, how perfect their lives are. And it's funny, right? Because we all we all logically know that social media is like a highlight reel, but that still doesn't prevent us from internalizing all that stuff and like falling exactly. into that comparison I have trap. An identity again. crisis literally every other day over... <laughs> I know, you're like, do I need to redo my wardrobe? Or like, like oh my God, everything yeah. I've ever posted <laughs> needs to be deleted and I need to completely do something else, even though people have followed you for like the stuff that you've... Sh- oh my God. It's- right. <laughs> I just, I feel you on that. Yeah. And so <laughs> I think what's been really cool about just like having having had my social media platform for a year getting sober two months ago is like I can look back at all the videos you know that I had posted 
and see like how much of a transformation has happened and just how much my mindset has changed because when I started posting on TikTok like some of that shit is depressing I like look back and I'm like mm, this is a little bit cringy girl yeah um <laughs> a little bit early uh yeah. yeah exactly um and so like I think that you know like I'm very much a person that kind of uses my TikTok to process whatever I'm going through you know I I do put stuff out there that like obviously I want to make it look aesthetic I want to make it look nice but at the same time I, I want kind of the voice behind it to be something that hopefully will resonate with other people and like has conversations that I feel like are sometimes imbued with like shame or guilt and just just kind of like open the door to know that it it's all the things we're feeling like there you know people say like there are no unique experiences like we are all going through it in some way shape or form and like there's always something really beautiful like you know when a video takes off and you see all these people commenting like me 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 resonating with me and I'm like right here like this is the cool thing about social media is if someone were just to like scroll through this comment section like they wouldn't feel like this was an experience that was just happening to them or like it's always going to be like this forever I think that's that's like the really nice connecting part of it that's so funny I feel like literally across the entire range of things you could post about someone post about like oh in middle school when you like it smells like a field trip day and people are like wait I know what you mean and then some in yeah. something is like oh like this stress I feel with like alcohol and I mean there's just like you really realize mm-hmm. that you're not alone in that and I just want to highlight again the difference or just put emphasis on you said you know two months you've been working on your sobriety journey but after two weeks is when you really started feeling those changes and I Mm -hmm. think it's just a testament to maybe the person listening right now their story isn't sobriety maybe it's something else but it's just a testament to that change can really happen if you put Mm -hmm. your mind to it so you've been on this journey for two months but two weeks if you're like oh I'm gonna do something in two weeks you're like okay that's not that far Mm -hmm. away and within two weeks you felt a shift in your life for the better of something that you would have never even thought about two weeks before that changing. So that's just incredible that it was able to manifest how it did. And it's obviously still an ongoing journey. It's not going to be easy every day. But for whatever journey we're all personally going on, there is that there is that success story. There is that positivity. Mm-hmm. There's those steps that are going to um, make you come out at the end of the day. So thank you for the encouragement with your story with sobriety and just wellness overall and just a really good message in general no matter what path everyone is going down and what changes they might feel like are important for their life because change is daunting sometimes but (laughs) yeah it's scary no and I think like my you know my big thing my biggest block was that I was kind of a victim of the circumstances I created in my own Mm -hmm. head right like I I caught myself on this loop in this trap because I thought that there was no way out of it and so I think being able to you know kind of just have the like mental fortitude or the ability to say like this just because it's this way now does not mean that this is the way that it has to be forever um and everyone is like so much stronger than they think they are too like I hadn't been able to get more than 10 days of sobriety before this you know now I'm on 60 like it's been so much easier this time around because I really like committed to it and was doing it I think for the right reasons absolutely and I I think that like what Emma was saying, there's a message for everyone, for our Mm -hmm. listeners who are maybe sober curious and a lot of those who aren't, you know, just knowing that 
you can do it. Like you can do the hard things. And I like what you said earlier where there are no unique experiences Mm -hmm. and also that we all are living in our own world. So people don't care as much as your mind makes you think that they do because we're all our own main Our We are all our own main character. Um, Mm -hmm. So thank you again for being on the show today. It was so great chatting with you and hearing, um, all about your wellness journey and where you are currently. Um, Before we wrap up, we're going to give you an opportunity to plug yourself on social media just so our listeners can find you if they're interested. But before we do that, we like to ask all of our guests that come on the show, what is one question that you wish we would have asked you that we didn't today? Or just something, yeah, something you didn't get to touch on. Yeah. (laughs) Something we didn't get to touch on. Um, I guess the one, like, caveat I want to make is that I, there is nothing morally wrong in my mind with alcohol. I just want to make that very clear that, like, I have, I do not think that people who are sober make better choices are inherently better than people who are not. And so I just want to make that super clear. Like, (laughs) my coming to sobriety was, you know, from a place of, like, addiction. And there are many access points to it and I think like generally like you know unfortunately alcohol is a poison for our bodies but if you enjoy drinking like pop off do personal, it personal yeah, yeah personal decision yeah it's a completely personal choice and so I just want to be very clear about that that this is not like my crusade against anyone who drinks because you know if you can handle it you go girl yeah absolutely I appreciate you touching on that awesome well great um until next time we would love to have you plug yourself um I'm gonna redo that we're gonna um yeah if you don't mind plugging yourself so our listeners um have an opportunity to find you on social media where can they connect with you yeah, absolutely. So my TikTok and Instagram are at Elizabeth, and then I also have a podcast called Wildly Basic West, and you can find that wherever you listen. So cute. Amazing. We absolutely love your content, and we love that you got to share just a little bit of everything that you do and that you're passionate about with us and all the Hugo girls, guys, people, um, <laughs> all the the community, the Hugo people, the, the Hugo pod yes, girls, the Hugo people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But um, we thank you again for being on the show. And I know that we'll connect off mic, hopefully, um, sometime in the near future. But for everyone listening, um, it would really help us out if you rate and review us. If you liked the show, um, be sure to give us five stars either on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you're listening. It really does help us out. A little little tap. It doesn't take very long. Um, If you're not following us on Instagram, it'll be linked in the show notes as well as all of Elizabeth's information, but it's at Huga Girls Podcast. That's H-Y-G-G-E Girls Podcast on Instagram and TikTok. Um, And until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and stay stay Huga. Bye, everyone. Bye, y'all. Bye.